This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. You shall not murder. Keeping it simple today, guys. It's Exodus 2013, and I think Kansans would do well to remember that. So, guys, I just want to thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. I did want to remind you that we are mainly a listener-supported ministry. So, if you guys like content, like the content that we produce, if you want us to produce more things, like we've got a lot planned for 2023, the only way we're able to do that is because we have guys that have hopped on board and financially supported us. We do get some money from advertisement, but the majority of what we get is directly from you guys. So, we have a donation page on our website, undaunted.life backslash donate. Again, just go to undaunted.life backslash donate. If you like the content people are creating, make sure that you are supporting them. So guys, I've been out for a little bit. I know you didn't notice that because we've still been releasing three episodes a week, but it's been a crazy time uh, in in my life. And I've talked about that a little bit on the show. Obviously we had CJ's funeral and I, I talked about that on a previous episode. I also got COVID there in the middle of it. It, it was no big deal. The first day I like the chills were crazy. I'm sitting outside in 105 degree weather in Oklahoma, sitting there shivering. But aside from that, it was no big deal. I traveled down to Louisiana for the uh, experience on the Unashamed podcast. By the time you guys hear this, that episode will have been released. I'll be uh, shooting an email out to everybody so that you can see that. So hanging out with the Robertson clan down there. Um, and I'll try to, if if this episode, if that episode releases before this one, I'll make sure it's in the show notes or whatever. But as of right now, I'm recording this on Sunday the 7th. That is not you know out yet. So I'll make sure I get that to you. But also, I want to let you guys know, I get emails and DMs from time to time, like, hey, Kyle, you know, I want to hear you speak live. Like, when are you speaking live? And a lot of the events I do, they're, they're like private. They're not open to everybody. But I do have an open to the public event that I'm doing at my church in Edmond, Oklahoma. So you, uh, if you are in or want to be in Edmond, Oklahoma at Faith Bible Church, on September the 18th at 6 p.m., that's a Sunday, I will be delivering my live talk called How to Engage Pro-Abortion Arguments. So obviously now with what we're seeing with uh, the Dobbs decision, what we're seeing with some of the um, craziness uh, and misinformation that's being spread around, uh, which is a big portion of what we're going to be talking about today, it's very, very important to make sure that you guys understand how you can engage a lot of the arguments that are coming from pro-abortion people. Okay, so again, Sunday, September the 18th, 6 p.m. It is a free event at Faith Bible Church in Edmond, Oklahoma, How to Engage pro-abortion arguments. So if you're anywhere near here, make sure you come out, make sure uh, you know we meet and all that. It'd be uh, tons of fun. So today in the quick hitter segment, we're going to be discussing a lot of stuff because some of it's actually going to be a little bit old news, uh, but I haven't had a chance to comment on it yet, obviously, because COVID and funeral and all that kind of stuff. But we're going to be talking about these things. Michigan football coach Jim Harbaugh taking a stand for life. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis suspending Florida State Attorney for not doing their job, which is enforcing the law. The Biden administration declaring monkeypox a public health emergency. Joe Biden getting COVID. Murder charges against a New York City bodega worker being dropped. And the death of three giants in the world of sports. And as of this morning, my notes said two giants, but there is a third that has lost their life uh, to some crazy circumstances. So we'll get into that. But before we get into the meat of what we're talking about today, hey, you guys are about to like that transition. We need to talk about the sponsor for today's episode, and that is Casey Cattle Company. So um, there are a lot of meat delivery subscription services out there, guys. And uh, believe me, I've, I've talked with some of them. Uh, some of them wanted to be sponsored the show and all those different things. But guys, only one of them is U.S. military veteran owned. U.S. military veteran operated, 
and all of their beef, chicken, and pork products are produced here in the good old United States, and that is KC Cattle Company. So, guys, they specialize in Wagyu beef, and you heard me talk about this on the Eddie Penny episodes. You know, I had heard of Wagyu beef before, but I'd never actually experienced it until they sent me this care package, which, what's a better care package that you can get than a box full of frozen meat that you get to eat later? But Wagyu beef is just a breed of cattle that's known for its mutations that allows for like 10 times the amount of intramuscular fat, which leads to that marbling, which leads to a complete brain explosion whenever you eat it because it is so unbelievably good. Uh, just over the weekend, you know, I was my birthday. So thank you some of you guys for uh, the, the birthday wishes, 36 years old. What a worthless uh, feeling birthday. But I had a flat iron steak from them. It was just absolutely incredible. I cooked it on the cast iron skillet. Fantastic. They sent me a bone and ribeye. I've done those. Their bratwurst are unbelievable. But guys, they literally sell all kinds of stuff that I know you guys use and that you guys consume. And that's Wagyu steaks, Wagyu roast, pasture-raised chicken, pasture-raised Berkshire pork, Wagyu bacon cheeseburger bratwurst, which is amazing. And their world-famous Wagyu gourmet hot dog. So Food Wine Magazine actually called it the best hot dog in the world. And it's even called a tube steak because it's like the only hot dog on the planet that actually tastes like a steak as well. So I want you guys to go out and try their products. They're absolutely fantastic. You will not be disappointed. So go to kccattlecompany.com. That's kccattlecompany.com. Use the promo code Kyle to get 15% off your order. Again, that promo code is just my first name. So that's Kyle. That's K-Y-L-E for 15% off of your first order at kccattlecompany.com. But the main thing that we need to talk about today is what in the world just happened in the state of Kansas last week, okay? Kansans basically cast their votes for death. So the episode title for today is What's the Matter with Kansas? So that is actually the title of a 2005 book by Thomas Frank. So this book talks about kind of the very unique political history of a place like Kansas. And he comes at it from a lot of different perspectives. It's basically like, why are people voting against their own interests and different things and social things and all those types of things. But all that, all that, I guess all those ideals and all that history of the state of Kansas was made all the more interesting last week because of what happened. And so I'm going to read this from the Daily Wire. Voters on Tuesday, this was Tuesday, the 2nd of August, rejected a pro-life amendment in Kansas, the first test of voter sentiment following the overturning of the abortion case Roe v. Wade by the Supreme Court, which effectively kicked back abortion restrictions to the states. The value them both amendment was defeated by about 18 percentage points, blocking the state from removing a right to abortion in the state constitution. President Joe Biden, co-president Joe Biden, who is Catholic, cheered the victory for abortion rights. Quote, this vote makes clear what we know. The majority of Americans agree that women should have access to abortion and should have the right to make their own health care decisions, unquote, he said, according to the Associated Press. So Mallory Carroll, she's a spokeswoman for Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, called the loss a huge disappointment and blasted abortion advocates for drowning out the truth with lies. Way more on that here in a second. But back to the Daily Wire article. Tonight's loss is a huge disappointment for pro-life Kansans and Americans nationwide, Carroll said. The abortion lobby's message to voters was rife with lies that ultimately drowned out the truth. Because of tonight's results, Kansas could shortly become home to unrestricted abortion on demand, even late-term abortion without limits, paid for by taxpayers. The people in their elected legislatures have no recourse to use the tools of democracy to enact laws to reflect consensus. The stakes for the pro-life movement in the upcoming midterm elections could not be higher, and there will be many more factors in play. She uh, she added, it is critical that pro-life candidates go on the offense to expose the extremism of Democrats' policy goals for nationalized abortion on demand paid for by taxpayers. A statement from the group said that pro-life amendment would have corrected an overreach by the Supreme Court, the Kansas Supreme Court, that in 2019 found an alleged right to abortion in the state's constitution and struck down a law that uh, passed the state legislature, legislature to limit painful dismemberment abortions. 
So we need to talk about the bill a little bit, okay? So the ballot measure, again, as it said there in the article, sought to overturn a 2019 state Supreme Court decision in the state of Kansas that said abortion rights were protected under the state constitution, which essentially was as ridiculous as people making the argument that abortion in the United States was uh, basically found in the Constitution as well, which was basically the foundation of Roe v. Wade. So if the ballot measure passed, okay, it would have paved the way, it wouldn't have guaranteed, it would have paved the way for Kansas state legislature to pass significant abortion bans in the state if they so chose to, okay? And again, there was no indication that they were actually going to do that. And if, if we look at this realistically, it probably would not have happened. Okay, because Kansas, again, is a very unique state, but currently the it is under Democratic control. Okay, so the governor's house is controlled by a Democrat in the state of Kansas and the election in November for the new governor is basically a coin flip election as it stands right now. Many more months to go, but right now it stands at a at a coin flip. Okay, so let's talk about some random things or some random thoughts I had about this whole Kansas situation. So the vote on this amendment wasn't close at all. Okay, politically speaking, it may seem like it was close, oh, only 18 points, but that's a lot. So let's break down the exact numbers. 377,415 voted in favor of the amendment, okay? So basically would have allowed for the paving of the way to eradicating the procedure of abortion in the state of Kansas. So 377,000 and some change. 542,349 voted against the amendment, okay? That's a wide margin, especially on an amendment like this. Also, another random thought. Disinformation campaigns work. They flat out work. And we saw that in large part in this particular thing. There was a lot of money that was poured into advertisements and all kinds of different marketing ploys in the state of Kansas. And there were a bunch of lies that were told to Kansans. And, you know, the lies were like, hey, you won't be able to get treatment for ectopic pregnancies if, if you don't vote against this. You know, miscarriages will be criminalized if you don't vote against this. Abortions are medically necessary. We've got to save the lives of all these women, except for the, you know, soon to be women that are in the womb, you know, those types of things. But the disinformation campaign worked in a, a tremendous degree. And there's a lot of lies that have been spread, you know, uh, at that, you know, speech I'm going to be doing at my church in September. I'm going to be going through a lot of that because even people on the pro-life side, I've had people message me that are supposedly pro-life. They're like, Kyle, you're spreading misinformation because, you know, women aren't going to be able to get, you know, uh, treatment for their ectopic pregnancies because of this law, because of how it's coded in the insurance. And it's a flat out lie. It is a flat out lie. And they bought it hook, line and sinker. Now, another random thought is clearly written legislation that is easy to discern your desired vote is really, really important. Okay. But that really doesn't come into play in the scenario. Okay. And we keep hearing about this law. We keep hearing about how it was uh, awkwardly worded, which it was, how there were mistakes in the law, which there were, there were like typos in the legislation, which how in the world does that happen? But that doesn't matter because the vote margin in this case was so incredibly wide. And people are like, oh, no, the, you know, the misinformation and the confusion could have caused an 18 point, you know, swing, which I don't buy that. But the next part of it is that confusion cuts both ways. So there were people, I am sure, in the state of Kansas that wanted to not allow this amendment that accidentally voted for it because the legislation was written so funky. And it is my understanding as well that this legislation was written well before the Dobbs decision. So, you know, uh, who knows? They, they Maybe they just weren't paying attention. They didn't realize how big of a deal it was going to be. But it is something that changed mightily. So this was an amendment that looked like it was going to pass with flying colors. Dobbs decision comes down, which overturns Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey. And then all of a sudden it shoots to almost 20 points in the other direction. And the last random thought here is how people vote solely on the subject of abortion versus the pro-life or pro-choice leanings of their elected officials don't always match up. 
So that maybe wasn't the, the most effectively worded sentence in the world. But essentially what I mean by that is very rarely do voters in any population get to vote on a single thing. Well, it's not that rare, to, to be honest, but to vote on a single thing, the, a single amendment. Typically, you're voting for a person. And that person represents a whole myriad of different ideals and policy prescriptions and things that they're going to advocate for. But in this particular instance, the voters of Kansas got to look at one thing, and that was whether or not they were going to allow for the, a, a, a future amendment which would eradicate the ability for abortions to happen in the state of Kansas, right? But what we did see in, in these other elections at the time is it still leaned majority red like increasingly red in these areas. So what it shows is that people are maybe a little bit more moderate on this issue. And we'll, we'll get to that here in a second. But I, I do want to talk about several things as to why this outcome is so important, which it should be obvious, but it, you know, we need to elucidate those things. First thing is it shows how important it is to vote. I'm sure there are, there are Kansans that are kicking themselves in the, in the tuchus right now because they thought that this was just going to be a shoe in You know, we live in a deep red state. I go to church. All my friends go to church. Surely this is going to pass. Surely this, you know, constitutional amendment is going to be upheld and we're going to be able to do what we want to do on the subject of abortion. They stayed home. Now, it would have taken a lot of people to think that to sway the vote. Again, 18-point swing, but, you know, it always is very, very important to vote. Another very important thing about this outcome is the conservatives that have been saying that the abortion issue won't motivate Democratic voters and the Democrat voter base this this fall might have to eat a little bit of crow here. So I've gone on record saying that I think people vote with their with their hearts, not always with their heads. And I always use that in the context of the state of Texas. So you have people that move from California or New York or wherever, and they come to the state of Texas and, you know, they, they're escaping all these Democrat policies and all these left-wing liberal policies, but then they get to the state of Texas and then they vote for left-wing politicians that want to do the exact same things that the politicians in the states they left did, which caused them to leave, right? But here we are, abortion was on the ballot and it did not go well for conservatives. Unfortunately, and unfortunately for the unborn in the state of Kansas, our neighbor to the north here in Oklahoma. So, again, you know, prominent conservatives have said, hey, no one's going to vote, you know, in the fall with abortion on their minds. But ultimately, the majority of the people, like the overwhelming majority of people that uh, registered to vote in the state of Kansas after the Dobbs decision were women, college educated white women, to be more specific, who vote very much so on the left side, on the liberal side of anything. Right. And so for even Christians that are in the state of Kansas, you have to reckon with that as well. You have a very, very motivated base that is wanting to get out and make sure that their voice is heard on this particular issue. Okay. So that's very, very important for us to remember. Also, it reminds us this outcome that the majority of Americans are moderate on the issue of abortion. And that's why you you can get most Americans to get on board, you know, with a 15 week ban or a 12 week ban or something like that. But as I've said on the show many times, most people don't spend more than five seconds thinking about this issue. They they literally don't spend any time thinking through the arguments. They don't think through the science. They don't think re- through any of the theological underpinnings of any of their arguments or the arguments that are being made towards them. And so a lot of people in their ignorance can be convinced to have a fairly pro-abortion mindset. Okay. And this leads me to the last thing on this before we move to the quick hitters, and that's this shows pro-lifers, and it should show pro-lifers, that the fight didn't end with the Dobbs decision. I mean, I definitely did, but how many people told you that? So again, Dobbs happened, 
you know, again, I'm all for spiking the football and and having the celebration cigar and all those different things. But then the work really, really starts now. Because Democrats, this is their sacred cow. This is their sacred sacrament. They have to keep it. They have to have baby sacrifice as part of their platform. And they will do everything in their power, including lying and cheating and stealing to make sure that they can have as much of that as possible. You think companies like Planned Parenthood are just going to be like, oh, well, I guess we're just going to have to shut down all our clinics because the majority of our business is abortion anyway. So I guess we'll go do something else. Now, they are going to go do something else. They're going to be one of the largest, you know, uh, progenitors of the, the trans agenda over the next decade. You can pretty much guarantee that. I mean, they've got to make money somehow, so they might as well make it off these drugs that chemistry chemically you know, castrates people. But, you know, they got to make money somehow. But again, pro-lifers spent a little bit of t- too much time spiking the football. I, again, I'm all for spiking the football. A lot of people in the Christian circles are like, don't spike the football. There's a lot of stuff that needs to happen, blah, blah. Nope, nope. We're going to celebrate this. 60 million babies killed over 50 years. And we've gotten rid of the law that allowed for that. No, spike the football, spike the biggest football you can find as many times as possible. But again, you have to continue advocating. You have to continue supporting pro-life organizations. You have to continue to train yourself. Hence why I'm doing, you know, how to engage pro-abortion arguments live and how I've talked about that here on the show. You have to make sure that you're ready to push back against this darkness because it is a darkness that is unlike any other. The murder of the most innocent humans on planet earth. There is no more important thing when it comes to pushing back darkness. It simply does not exist. If you have any inkling in you of hating bullies or hating, you know, cowards or hating people that take advantage of those that are weaker than them, you have to take this subject matter incredibly, incredibly seriously. And unfortunately, Kansans, and you know, I'm not talking about you. This would have happened in the state of Oklahoma as well. I'm, I'm sure of it. But if you get that much disinformation in the water, it poisons the entire well. Okay. So we have to keep fighting against it. All right, guys, let's hit the quick hitter segment. We're going to get into the first one here. Michigan football coach Jim Harbaugh taking a stand for life. So this is according to Fox News. Michigan football coach Jim Harbaugh drew outrage in July when it was revealed, revealed that he was a guest speaker at a Right to Life event. Harbaugh spoke at the Right to Life event in Plymouth, Michigan, where he explained why he was pro-life. This is his quote here. I believe in having the courage to let the unborn be born, he said via Detroit Catholic. I love life. I believe in having a loving Uh, a loving care and respect for life and death. My faith and my science are what drives these beliefs in me. Quoting from Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Okay. So obviously, as you could know, for a public figure to come out and say something so egregious as I believe in having the courage to let the unborn be born, people absolutely went apoplectic on this, you know, they could not imagine how this prominent public person could even possibly believe something that, that they don't believe that, that they could believe that we shouldn't murder children in the womb. There were obviously calls for him to be fired, for him to be fined. You know, the people were like taking this as an opportunity to take shots at his performance as a coach, which, you know, if you're a Michigan or a Jim Harbaugh fan, you can't be too terribly pleased with his tenure there. What is it? One win over Ohio State, no big uh, bowl victories, no national championships, that kind of thing. So people took this as an opportunity to to make him seem small for his performance in the Big Ten and everywhere else. But there were the normal ramblings, right, from the pro-abortion crowd. You know, it's her body, her choice, and pro-lifers only care about the baby before it's born. But the most, probably the dumbest take was from Jamel Hill. So she used to work for ESPN where she just did a bunch of woke stuff and race baiting. And now I'm not exactly sure what she's doing, but she's kind of doing the same thing just via Twitter. So this was her reaction. This might be a difficult concept for Jim Harbaugh 
of any anti-choice person or it's she uh, this was a typo so i gotta read it better so let me start over because there was a typo in there from her tweet this might be a difficult concept for jim harbaugh or any anti-choice person to grasp but if you don't want an abortion just don't get one not that hard and again all the moronic seals were just oh yeah 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 exactly you know slay queen slay queen but what if we were to have her do the same thing with slavery as an example hey jamel hill if you don't want slavery just don't own a slave or like jamel hill if you don't want murder just don't murder people and magically murder goes away again she's trying to make this idea that hey Abortion has nothing to do with you because you're not in the market for it. But again, this is somebody that would say, obviously, we shouldn't have slavery, which all of us would co-sign. But she's also someone that, say, that, that would say we, we shouldn't let people have firearms. We shouldn't let people defend themselves. Like there's a myriad of other issues that she would not co-sign using that exact same logic. And there was also a really, really super dumb take by someone that's supposed to be smart. And this is a guy named Dr. Abdul El Sayed. So this was via Twitter as well. Jim Harbaugh at the Right to Life dinner. I love life. I believe in having a loving care and respect for life and death. My faith and my science are what drives these beliefs in me. Jim, you're welcome to your own beliefs, but not your own science or pushing your beliefs on others. So I was a little uncomfortable when he said my own science as well, but I think obviously what he meant was not my you know, interpretation of the science, but he was basically look at it, looking at it as this is what I see when I read the science. Here's what the truth actually is. So again, maybe a little bit sloppy use of, you know, my science or that type of thing, because you're getting into the my truth territory. But the thing I would ask Dr. Abdul El Sayed is, well, then why are you pushing your beliefs on me, Doc? Because his big thing from the tweet is, you know, you do not have the ability to push your beliefs on others. But that's exactly what this guy is advocating for. And that's exactly what most people that think like this guy are advocating for. Hey, don't push your beliefs on me as they push their beliefs down on you. They, they don't have a mirror. They can't possibly see it. So here's my big takeaway on this story. More of this, please. More. Like name the prominent people that are not in politics. So the people that are, you know, prominent in everyday life or whatever. So think of athletes or, or you know, coaches or actors or artists or singers or whatever. How many of them? would be willing to come out and say something like this? Would we be willing to speak at a right to life thing or any of those types of things? We need more people advocating for it. Now, if more people don't advocate for it, shouldn't change how we react. Again, the number of people that believe a certain thing does not mean that that certain thing is correct. Again, the majority of the world used to think that the earth was flat. We even have some, some holdovers today. But just because the majority of people believe something does not mean it's true. So if even if a plurality of people on the planet thought it was okay to murder innocent human beings in the womb, it wouldn't make it okay. And I hope that we can get some way more prominent people and an additional, you know, prominent people throughout uh, the, the years to come to come out and say what they actually think on this issue and say, hey, cancellation be damned. I don't care. All right. Next quick hitter here. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis suspending Florida state attorney for not doing their job, which is enforcing the law. So this is according to the blaze. 
Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announced on Thursday, this is last Thursday, that progressive state attorney Andrew Warren was suspended for neglect of duty and allegedly pledging not to uphold the laws of the state. We are suspending Soros-backed 13th Circuit State Attorney Andrew Warren for neglecting his duties as he pledged not to uphold the laws of the state, DeSantis' office said in a statement. DeSantis targeted Warren, a Democrat, for vowing not to enforce state laws on abortion and child sex change operations. DeSantis also noted that Warren promised a policy of presumptive non-enforcement enforcement. DeSantis made the announcement of Warren's suspension during a press conference in Tampa on Thursday morning. And so when you flagrantly violate your oath of office, when you make yourself above the law, you have violated your duty, you have neglected your duty, and you are displaying a lack of competence to be able to perform those duties. And so today we are suspending state attorney Andrew Warren, effective immediately, DeSantis stated. The Constitution of Florida has vested the veto power in the governor, not in state attorneys, DeSantis said. We are not going to allow this pathogen that's been around the country of ignoring the law. We are not going to let that get a foothold in the state of Florida. So here's the thing with Ron DeSantis. Obviously, if you've listened to the show for any length of time, you know I'm a huge Ron DeSantis fan. And the main reason is because this dude just keeps striking all the best chords politically. So whether you're listening to this and you're a big DeSantis fan, you're neutral on him or you don't like him because currently you can still have all those three opinions on a guy like him. Can you name something that he has missed on? Like, can you name a policy or, or, a, or some prescription of some kind that he has missed on? Because I can't think of one. Every time he pops up on my news feed, he's hitting a home run again, sometimes hitting a grand slam. So this is what it looks like when you have a political fighter that's under control. Because he's doing the social, uh, you know, fighting, he's doing the culture war fighting, but he's under control. He's not specifically targeting individual people. He's not calling people names. He's not just throwing things out to see if they stick. He's, he's trying to do the things that are within his purview that he's legally able to do to fight back against things that are immoral. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So as I was thinking through this, I was thinking about uh, one of my favorite MMA fighters to watch, which is a guy named Justin Gaethje, 155 pounder in the UFC. Early in this guy's career, and I say early, really until a few years ago, the guy was just chaos. So he would go in there and he's going to say, look, someone's getting knocked out. It's either going to be me or the guy across from me. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure it's the guy across from me, but I'm just going to go in there, guns blaze, blazing, and we'll see what it's going to be like. And he fought out of control. Like he really was out of control a lot of times. And then he got stopped a couple of times, you know, sustained some brain damage. But now he's a much, much different fighter. He still has all of that crazy amount of violence, but it's under control. So early, you know, Justin Gaethje is a lot more like Trump, whereas nowadays Justin Gaethje is a lot more like Ron DeSantis. So my big takeaway here is that, and this is kind of getting back to the whole point of this story, is if you don't do your job, you should not have a job. So this is true for all of us. My very first job was I was a, you know, a, a bus boy at Outback Steakhouse in Oklahoma. If I never showed up to work, or if when I got to work, I didn't do the job of bussing the tables, cleaning the dishes and taking out the garbage, I would no longer be a bus boy at Outback Steakhouse. Like th this really isn't that hard to figure out. So we really shouldn't be crying tears at all for this Andrew Miller guy, like our Andrew Warren guy. We shouldn't be crying any tears for him because it's like, you literally signaled your political virtue by saying, I'm not going to enforce these laws, which is expressly your job. But another big takeaway, I guess this could be my big, big takeaway on this story, is more DeSantis, please. More of this guy. 
Again, I've, I've gone on record. I've said this before. I do not want Donald Trump to run for president in 2024. I want him to, you know, I don't want him to just pave the way for DeSantis only. I'd love to see, you know, several people come up. So whether that's a Nikki Haley or a Tim Scott or, you know, you can even go Ted Cruz or Senator Rubio. Like there, there's plenty of people that I'd like to see at least, you know, run for president. Donald Trump is one that I don't want to do that. Um, and there's still a lot to be discerned as to whether or not <coughs> Trump is going to say that he's going to run. We'll see how that's going to go. I, I'm almost certain that he's going to say that. And if he does, why would someone like DeSantis, you know, hop into the mud pit with him? Because shockingly, Trump is still winning every straw poll by a wide margin. Republicans want him to represent the Republican ticket in the 2024 general election. But for my money, I want a young, smart, controlled fighter like Ron DeSantis. I'm open to having my mind change, but as of right now, that's where I want to go. All right, next quick hitter here. The Biden administration declaring monkeypox a public health emergency. So this is according to CNN. The Biden administration on Thursday, this is Thursday of last week, declared monkeypox a public health emergency with cases on the rise across the United States. The announcement came during a briefing with the Department of Health and Human Services. The administration has been criticized at times for its handling of the outbreak, and some have called on the government to declare a national emergency without delay. Since the first U.S. monkeypox case was identified in mid-May, more than 6,600 probable or confirmed cases have been detected in the United States. Cases have been identified in every state except Montana and Wyoming. And I think, I think one of those has now been checked off the list, but there you go. So here's the truth about monkeypox. So there was a great breakdown uh, by Dr. Human David Hermati for the Daily Wire. And this, here were some of the facts that he broke down in his article. The first one was this, the monkeypox virus is known to spread from one human to another via prolonged skin to skin or other intimate contact right? Otherwise known as penetration sex, right? Whether you're penetrating, penetrating any of the available holes on the human body there. Yeah, have I, have I passed all the, the, the people that could possibly get mad about that, but it's prolonged skin to skin contact. Okay. Here's another fact to date. There have been zero monkeypox deaths in the United States. And I think from the time that this article came out to the time that I'm recording this, I think that is still the case. Zero people have died in the United States from monkeypox. And another, uh, another thing from Dr. Hamadi is this, from among the monkeypox cases with the available data, 98.8 have been reported in male or transgender male individuals with 97.2 of the infected individuals identifying as gay, lesbian, or bisexual. Okay, so that's from Dr. Hamadi. Now, what I would say, considering everything else, else we know about monkeypox, that number is probably higher because there's probably people that are not admitting publicly that they're gay or bi that have gotten and contracted and spread monkeypox. But the reality of this story is that this is not a public health emergency. Monkeypox simply is not a public health emergency and you cannot make me care about it. Okay? I don't want people to needlessly suffer, but if people are engaging in behaviors that would lead to this outcome, then I don't feel bad for them. Ultimately. Because Monkeypox is affecting a very, very small and very well identified and defined community. And that community is gay men that have a lot of unprotected sex with multiple partners. That is who is getting monkeypox. Okay. And it's been that way from the get go. Now, they're pretending, and I say this that, you know, our government overlords are pretending that this is a generalized public health emergency, kind of like COVID is, because it's, it's something that you can catch just by breathing. But that's not the case with monkeypox, okay? But they're doing this so that they don't have to do what they know that they should do, which is to be critical of gay people. So what they should be saying, what our, what our you know, medical establishment should be saying is, hey, if you're a man 
that chooses to have unprotected sex with men, you are at risk of contracting monkeypox. If not, carry on. And even the CDC, which obviously, you know, you can absolutely and completely guarantee that the CDC has your best interest in mind and never gets anything wrong. This was on their website. So I'm literally uh, sitting down, having a cigar and a whiskey with some buddies to celebrate my birthday. And someone says, they starts reading this and they claim it's from the CDC website. And I'm like, I, I call BS. There's no way that's from the CDC website. This is a meme. Somebody put this together. And then two people sitting there found it on the CDC website. So here's what the CDC, the Centers for, for Disease Control here in the United States, have put on their website for how somebody can avoid getting monkeypox. Okay. Some of this is going to be sexually explicit if you got little ears around, but here we go. Masturbate together at a distance without touching each other and without touching any rash. Consider having sex with your clothes on or covering where the rash is present, reducing as much skin-to-skin -skin contact as possible. Leather or latex gear also provides a barrier to skin-to-skin -skin contact. Just be sure to change or clean clothes and gear between partners, between partners, and after use. And then also this was another one. There was a, a whole huge list, but I just pulled three of them. Here's, a list. Here's another one here. Remember to wash your hands, fetish gear, sex toys, and any fabrics, bedding, towels, and clothes after having sex. Leave it to the CDC to always have our best interests at heart, guys. But guys, here's, here's the big takeaway on this one. If you're not having butt sex with a bunch of random dudes, you will not get monkeypox. That's it. I am wiping my hands. I'm washing my hands of this entire thing. No one should be talking about monkeypox anymore. Okay? In terms of it being a generalized risk to the health of everyday Americans. Okay? Because we keep getting these anecdotal stories, right? And every anecdotal story of somebody that has either seen someone get monkeypox or has gotten monkeypox themselves, and I'm not kidding about this, every single one that we see starts out with some guy saying, so I was at this festival and I had sex with a bunch of random guys in a short period of time, dot, dot, dot. And these are the people that are shocked when they come down with the disease that is mainly passed by gay men having anal sex and oral sex with one another. It's, it's a shocking and astonishing thing. But again, they're, they're doing this and, and all these public health people are twisting themselves into pretzels so that they don't have to moralize. So they don't have to tell gay people, hey, control yourselves. Hey, this is specifically a, a disease that is being passed around because of people having gay sex. If you don't want to get this or have any risk of getting this, then don't participate in gay sex. Kind of the same thing. like. I am terrified of sharks, right? As, as almost every single human being on the planet is. So I'm not going to go for a swim in the middle of the ocean. And the thing is, is if I do decide to go for a swim in the middle of the ocean, I have to intellectually understand that getting attacked by a shark is possible. It's absolutely possible. But it's impossible completely if I never go near a body of water that a shark could potentially be in. But again, this, we're treating this like it's a moral thing because it is. Because the larger issue is that the homosexual lifestyle is sinful and that God, you know, will give us over to our desires and to the consequences therein. But we're, we're trying to moralize and say, oh, we don't need to demonize a group of people and all that. But even if we look at this just from a strictly secular point of view, we should tell the people that are most at risk for getting this disease and contracting it and spreading it around that they need to stop doing the things that cause that. Hey, can you control yourself and your sexual urges for like two or three weeks while we get all this figured out and while we get the vaccine out to more people? You know, everyone's trying to get onto the government for not getting the vaccine together. And, you know, they, they deserve to take a few lumps for that. But ultimately, we're not telling people to control their sexual urges. 
because that would be us moralizing to a protected group of people. It's nonsense and it's hurting people. So next one here, next quick hitter. Joe Biden got COVID. Now, I know this is super duper old news, but in some way it's also new news because doesn't he currently still have COVID? Because he tested positive for COVID like three weeks ago and then he tested negative and then he tested positive again. So by the time this hits your ear holes, he may, you know, be out in front of people again, which, you know, things have been going pretty good for the Biden administration for the last two or three weeks because Biden hasn't been able to be up in front of a microphone. But for me personally, I am praying for the president. I want him to recover well. He is obviously right in the crosshairs of a uh, virus like COVID-19. I don't want him to be sick. I don't want him uh, to to have any ill uh, things happening with this. I hope he makes a full recovery. No sarcasm. I like that's what I'm praying for. But here's the big takeaway. Okay, which which really is a big question. If the vaccines and the boosters don't prevent you from getting or spreading COVID, then what exactly do they do? I'll ask it again because it's so important. If the vaccines and the boosters don't prevent you from getting or spreading COVID, then what exactly do they do? Because Joe Biden has gotten two COVID vaccines and two boosters, and yet he still got COVID. Now, what people will automatically say, and this is a big deal, you need to really pay attention here. People are starting to present the non-falsifiable claim that the vaccine and the boosters have made Joe Biden's case of COVID more mild. And they say that with you as well. If you're vaccinated and boosted and you get COVID, they're going to say, oh, well, it would have been so much worse had you not been, you know, vaccinated boosted. If you hear someone say something like that, you need to ask them, why? How do you know that? So for me, I got COVID. So I was not vaccinated, not boosted, but let's say I had been. And someone said, oh, you know, you had a really mild case of COVID, you know, because you were vaccinated and boosted. Ask them, how do you know that? How is it even possible to know that? And the reality is, is it's not possible to know that. You would literally have to go back in time and not get the vaccine, not get any boosters, and then experience the exact same case of COVID at the exact same time. Again, it's non-falsifiable. So this is all nonsense. Okay. Now, if you decide to get the vaccine and the boosters, great. That's, that's your own personal health decision. I don't care. As I explained on this show last year or two years ago, the decision that my wife and I made is that we are not um, at an age or a comorbidity place where we felt this overwhelming desire to get the vaccine because at the time that we would have been getting it, and really at this time right now, it's an experimental vaccine. We don't know how well it works, and we don't know how it's going, how well it's going to continue to work into the future. You already have, you know, companies like uh, I forget, I think it was Pfizer saying, yeah, we should probably get COVID shots every year. Oh, you think? You think we should just give you billions and billions of more dollars every single year for something like this? So again, your own personal uh, health decisions are your own, but don't let anyone tell you that you should get vaccinated so that if you get COVID down the road, which kind of goes against the definition of what a vaccine is, because it typically prevents you from getting something and having them tell you like, oh, it's going to make your case more mild. What you're describing is a therapeutic. And no one's, you know, pitching these as a COVID-19 therapeutic. So it's nonsense. Don't fall for it. All right, next one here. This is actually an update. So murder charges against New York City bodega worker were, are being dropped. So we talked about this on a previous quick hitter segment. So this is according to Fox News. Charges were dropped on July the 19th against a New York City bodega worker arrested for the murder of a man seen on surveillance video, first coming behind the cashier's desk and attacking the employee. 
Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's office faced harsh criticism for bringing the charge against Jose Alba earlier this summer, despite footage suggesting the deadly stabbing was justified as self-defense. Jennifer Sigal, who's an assistant district attorney under Bragg, issued a motion on July the 19th to dismiss the second-degree murder charge against Alba and provided a copy to his attorney, Michelle Grant. Fox News confirmed that a judge dismissed the charge against Alba by Tuesday afternoon. This was last Tuesday afternoon. So, Again, we had this guy that was being very, very aggressive. He goes behind the counter, gets in this guy's face. The bodega worker obviously didn't want any type of altercation with this guy. This guy was probably 30 years his minor. But then they get into a scuffle. The the guy who was being attacked pulled a knife, cut the guy, stabbed the guy. The guy ended up dying. He was initially charged with murder. And then people just absolutely let loose. And this is my big takeaway. Public outcry does work sometimes. Again, I, I lament that there are people around the country that may be in a similar situation to this, but it doesn't make the headlines. It doesn't go viral. So we should try to bring light to most of these dark situations if they even happen our, in our community. Because you have to ask, you know, why did this go viral? Was it because it was New York City? Probably. But what if it had been in Albany? Not a major metropolitan area, not a city that most people around the globe know. What if something like that happened there? Hopefully public outcry would be to the extreme degree that it would, you know, put pressure on these politicians to not allow for this. But the ultimate thing is, is there are a lot of people like this DA in the state of New York that want the system to fall. These are the people that are advocating for getting rid of cash bail, for letting these people just get out of of jail almost immediately. And the reality of what we're seeing is crime is going up everywhere. Violent crime is going up everywhere. And these criminals, these career criminals are not going to change for the better of their local communities, especially when they can get away with doing dirt and having no potential consequences. So that's kind of a larger macro issue underneath all of this is what these uh, super liberal DAs are doing. But I'm very, very happy for Jose Alba that he's no longer being charged with murder in this case. All right, the last quick hitter we're going to hit here is the death of three giants in the world of sports. So the first one was Bill Russell. So he died on July the 31st at the age of 88. So just to give you a little bit of Bill Russell's resume, so he's a professional basketball player from back in the day. This guy was just a winner. He was a winner in every single way you could be a winner. He won two high school state championships in California. He won two NCAA championships at the University of San Francisco. He was an Olympic champion in the 1956 Melbourne Olympics, uh, which he was a team captain for that team. He's an 11-time NBA champion. So nine of those were when he was just a player, and two of those were when he was a player head coach. 11 NBA championships. And then he's a five-time NBA MVP, 12-time All-Star, and he's got a bunch of other accolades. So, you know, he died. You know, this is a guy who led a very, very long life. You don't see a lot of these old basketball players living into their late 80s, so he passed away. So rest in peace to Bill Russell. Then we have the great Vince Scully. So he he died on August the 2nd at the age of 94. So here's his resume. If you guys aren't familiar with Vince Scully, he's the longest tenured broadcaster with a single team in pro sports history. And that was with the Brooklyn and Los Angeles Dodgers. He was a broadcaster for the Dodgers for 67 years. 67 years. That's how long he worked at the job. That's not how old he was when he left. For 67 years, he was a broadcaster for the Dodgers. And he has been responsible for some of the most famous calls 
not just in the history of baseball, but just in the history of sports in general. So here are some of those. He's called three perfect games. So Don Larson's perfect game in the two thousand or the nineteen fifty six World Series. Sandy Koufax's perfect game in nineteen sixty five, and Dennis Martinez's in nineteen ninety one. And he also called twenty no hitters. He called Johnny Padres shutout of the Yankees in Game Seven in the nineteen fifty five World Series, which gave the Dodgers their first World Championship. The Dodgers' first game in Los Angeles at the Coliseum on April the eighteenth of nineteen fifty eight. The Dodgers is returned to the Coliseum on March the 29th, 2008 in front of a world record-breaking crowd of 115,300 people. The Dodgers World Championship seasons in Los Angeles in 1959, 1963, 1965, 1981, and 1988. Hank Aaron's 715th career home run that broke Babe Ruth's major league record at Atlanta's Fulton County Stadium in April the 8th of 1974. He also called the catch, this is in the NFL, between Joe Montana and Dwight Clark during the 1981 NFC Championship game between the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. The dramatic 10th inning of Game 6 of the 1986 World Series where Bill Buckner's error allowed the Mets to force a Game 7. And, you know, the Mets went on to to beat the Boston Red Sox in that series. Then you had Kirk Gibson's legendary home run in the 1988 World Series off Dennis Eckersley, and then also Joe Carter's World Series winning walk-off home run for the Blue Jays in 1993. And this guy was just famous because a lot of these boosts now you have, you know, your play-by-play commentator and then you have your color commentator, but he did both and he did it masterfully. I remember whenever I worked in Major League Baseball back in 2012 and we had to watch all the games, we would put it on uh, the commentary for the Los Angeles Dodgers where we could hear the audio because he would just say these stories. He was famous for his stories. He knew so many things about the players. He knew about their families. And I mean, this guy, whether the game lasted three hours or went into mega extra innings for five or six hours, he constantly kept you, you know, up to date and he kept you engaged in the game. He's literally the greatest sports broadcaster of all time. But then just today, so I'm recording this on Sunday the 7th, Leandro Lowe passed away. So if you don't know that name, he is legitimately one of the greatest jujitsu fighters of all time. He is the eight-time IBJJF Black Belt World Champion. So IBJJF stands for International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation. It basically doesn't get any higher than that in the world of Gi Jiu-Jitsu. And he's got so many other titles that's not even worth mentioning, but those are his, he's an eight-time world champion with IBJJF. But he also has wins over all the other greats you can think of. So Gordon Ryan, Andre Galvao, Gilbert Burns, Felipe Pena, and, and many, many others. He's legitimately one of the greatest grapplers of all time. But this is according to MMAfighting.com. Leandro Lowe was declared brain dead after getting shot in the head during a concert in Sao Paulo, Brazil, early Sunday morning. Lowe was 33 years old. In the police report, it is stated witnesses said Veloso, uh, which is the guy that that shot him, grabbed a bottle from Lowe's table, which prompted the jujitsu fighter to take him down and hold him. They were separated and then Veloso got back to his feet, pulled a gun and shot at Lowe's forehead. So apparently he was struck in the forehead twice. Um, I don't know if this guy's been arrested yet. I'm sure he will be. But talk about senseless. I mean, all of it was senseless. I mean, again, when you see these things happen, these happen at nightclubs and all that, and when guys are going out, having a good time, and then they get pulled into these, you know, confrontations, and sometimes they turn incredibly violent, sometimes even deadly. I mean, just think about it. If the police report is true, if the witness is true, you know, this guy's, you know, acting a fool, he goes up to Leandro Lowe's table and takes a bottle of liquor off of it. And as opposed to just letting that slide, he takes the guy down, holds him there, uses his world-class grappling to basically embarrass the guy. And then once he gets up, the guy pulls a gun and shoots him. Now, I'm, I'm by no means saying that this is Leandro Lowe's fault. It's the other guy's fault. And, you know, basically, uh, for, for the most part, if not entirely, but God, how senseless was that? The whole situation, 33 years old, 
legitimately at the tippy top pinnacle of his sport in the entire world of grappling and in jujitsu, and he's dead now. So that should be a lesson to most of you guys out there, especially those of you that train, is a lot of times in your situation, hands don't need to be put on somebody. Like that's one thing, you know, the more I learn about people, the more I talk to people that are, you know, in tactical communities or in uh, law enforcement communities, it's like you literally never know who you're dealing with. Again, I say this all the time, the most dangerous dudes at my gym, some of these brown belts and black belts, if you just saw them on the street or saw them, you know, in, in the line at the grocery store, you would never think that that person could potentially strangle you to death in less than five seconds. You would never have any idea. You never know if someone's armed. And so you go poking your finger in somebody's chest or somebody's, you know, bumping into you and you don't just take that as an opportunity to leave the situation entirely. It could cost you your life. So Rest in peace to all three of those guys, Leandro Lowe, Vin Scully, and Bill Russell. But the big takeaway here, I guess, for these uh, stories and for these guys is we should all take time to appreciate the greats while they're alive, but all roads eventually come to an end. Again, Vin Scully, 94 years old, Bill Russell, 88 years old, Leandro Lowe, 33 years old. But our number's coming, guys. Like our time will come. No matter how great or how basic our life is, We're all going to die, which is a great reminder for all of us that the gospel is either real or it's not. We are either depraved sinners that have no way to be reconciled to the Father, except for the fact that the Father gave his Son to sacrifice and make his blood the propitiation for our sin so that we would have a pathway to the Father. That's either true or it's not. And if it's true, you should focus your entire life around that fact. And if it's not, go figure something else out. Hook your ponytail to a tree, you know, pretend Buddha was, you know, uh, you know, some sort of major deity or something like that, you know, just go do something else. But you got to reckon with whether or not the gospel is true. Okay. So we're going to end this part of the segment before I close this out with a clip from Vin Scully during his final sign off of his career. So this was a few years ago. This was after the Dodgers played the rival Giants. And then he had this to say. So we'll go to the clip and then we'll come back here. You know, friends, so many people have wished me congratulations on a 67-year career in baseball, and they've wished me a wonderful retirement with my family. And now, all I can do is tell you what I wish for you. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. For every problem life seems a faithful friend to share, for every sigh a sweet song, and an answer for each prayer. Great words from the great Vin Scully, but before I let you guys go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. Out in Daunted Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. And don't forget to support our sponsor of today's show, KC Cattle Company. Go to kccattlecompany.com. That's kccattlecompany.com. Use the promo code Kyle to get 15% off your order. Again, the promo code is just my first name, Kyle. That's K-Y-L-E to get 15% off of your order at kccattlecompany.com. And so we're going to go to the links here. So donation site. So if you guys want to go to undaunted.life backslash donate, also, if I get it in here in time, there should be a link here for the unashamed appearance that I had, and then all the links for the stuff I talked about in the quick hitter segment. 
All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to the show. We do appreciate it. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's info at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And also, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is our song Cutting the Ties, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album Leveler. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness. Keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. Keep seeking the Lion of Judah.